Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you so much for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We always appreciate it and hope you are safe and well. What we'll be talking about today, well, we'll get an update on where the ethanol industry is at right now, slowly trying to bounce back. We'll talk with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, and look ahead, will the assistance in the HEROES Act for the biofuels industry, will it make it to the final cut? Because the Senate's certainly going to make some changes. We're also going to talk about the uh, need for some assistance for the bison industry. We'll talk with the executive director of the National Bison Association. Also joining us today will be the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross. We'll get a planting update from his farm, his area in Iowa. And we'll talk about the USDA's announcement of uh, revamping its biotech approval rules and some other key issues as well with Kevin Ross. So, that's our lineup today, but we kick it off with Todd Neely, our reporter from DTN. Todd, how are you? Good, Mike. How are you doing? Hey, good. We're uh, anticipating getting some uh, details soon on how this direct assistance for farmers and ranchers will work and uh, what they're going to do with payment limits. Uh, I guess we might get some kind of a maybe a, a preview from the president, then hopefully followed up by some details. Right, absolutely. You know, and it's interesting, um, you know, we talk a lot about how the ethanol industry struggled and how it wasn't part of what USDA had put together. Um, but it, somewhere along the way, USDA apparently figured out that the pressure was too much and the farmers needed way more help and, and that sort of thing. So it's really interesting how the dynamic on that uh, particular program is changing and, and what it's going to mean you know, going forward, I think, you know, the relief that the USDA has announced is definitely quite needed. But, uh, you know, as we've talked about before, I think it's probably just a drop in the bucket of of, uh, of the need out there. But uh, it's definitely good to see the president putting some attention to this issue. And hopefully, hopefully today we'll know quite a bit more and see where it goes. Meanwhile, the ethanol industry, and we'll talk about this later in today's program, but slowly bouncing back. It, it is frustrating, though, to see uh, at a time when the demand is greater than ever for hand sanitizers and ethanol plants can produce uh, alcohol for those, and yet the bureaucratic red tape and restrictions keep a lot of them from doing it or being able to do it as quickly and easily as they normally would. Yeah, it is. It's interesting because you look north of the border in Canada, uh, they basically provided a waiver uh, for alcohol production. Uh, you know, that the thought is that if there are some impurities in it that aren't necessarily dangerous, then, you know, by all means, we need to we need to get that production ramped up. And I think here in the in the U.S., we've seen FDA kind of step in on this. Uh, you know, you understand, you know, what their what their duty is. But during this COVID-19, I think uh, in many respects, ethanol producers obviously have been hit extremely hard. Uh, and if they can help in, in uh, the recovery and in helping people. Uh, to get past this through, through uh, sanitizer production, why not? And I think, um, you know, we, we may get past this whole sanitizer issue very soon because we've seen ethanol stocks uh, dropping quite a bit in the past couple of weeks and beyond. And so it's kind of getting to a point now where, uh, you know, the demand is beginning to pick up. Uh, you know, the supply is, is catching up with the demand. And, and so, yeah, I think 
we're at a point now where I think margins are going to start to improve a little bit. And so I think going forward, I think, uh, you know, there's some real possibilities here, although, you know, things aren't entirely out of the wood yet, but it's definitely some good signs. What are you hearing on the meat packing plant uh, situation as they're back open, but what are you hearing as far as them, as far as uh, production is concerned and any issues they may be dealing with in keeping them open now? You know, Mike, there hasn't been a lot, but I think, uh, you know, the fact that we do have some of these plants that are back open, I think at the very least it's going to start moving uh, some product out and, you know, freeing up some room for for our livestock producers. Uh, But I think we're still a ways off. I mean, when you consider that these plants had to implement social distancing, uh, you know, they put in a, a number of measures and safety precautions uh, and also they're dealing probably with a little bit fewer employees in many of these locations because of the virus. And so uh, I think it's going to be a slow comeback, but just the fact that they're up and running again, or at least mostly, I think that's a good thing. Um, so I guess it's one of those things we'll have to keep watching whether, you know, the virus situation tends to slow down and, and whether, you know, production can pick up even more. Meanwhile, we're dealing with some very wet conditions in a lot of places. Again, you know, planting way ahead of where it was certainly a year ago and in some places ahead of the average. But now some of those fields that are planted are underwater. Yeah, it's rough. You know, it can't seem to win sometimes, but you're right. I mean, just the the numbers that came out yesterday from USDA are quite promising. You know, we're we're like 36 percentage points ahead uh, compared to last year in planting the corn crop. And so that's a, that's quite a big deal. And, and really, if you look at it uh, from a pure, you know, crop perspective, it's far ahead. And I think, uh, you know, the other aspect of this is that, you know, farmers getting those crops into the field, uh, it does set them up for crop insurance. You know, if, if you can't plant, you can't get insured in, in this sense. And so uh, I think I think producers overall – uh, are far better off this year than they were last year at this time. And so, um, yeah, you know, you're always going to have those spots around the country where Mother Nature isn't going to quite cooperate, and we're seeing some of that now. Some tough decisions coming up. Some farmers that have planted will have replant decisions to make, and some still waiting to plant will be looking at those crop insurance dates and making some tough decisions there, whether or not some of that ground will be planted this year. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you look in places like North Dakota. I mean, it's it's such a it's such a tough situation. A lot of last year's crops still there. I mean, we're hearing that you know they're making at least a little bit of progress, but it's uh, it was such a tough tough year for them up there. And uh, just the fact that you know, I I think when you look at across the country how things have improved, I think overall it's good. But you're still going to always have somebody who's left behind in a sense, and that's definitely one state that's really struggled in the past uh, 12 or 18 months. Meanwhile, we watch as the country tries to reopen the economy, uh, bits and pieces here and there, different state to state. But what we've learned, I think, uh, first of all, it was unimaginable that you could shut down the whole economy, but we saw that happen. Right. But now we're seeing it. You can shut it down quicker than you can restart it, evidently. Yeah, much more so. I mean, it's... Uh, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with fear. You know, I think a lot of people that are out there are still trying to figure out what it all means and what the steps they should take. I, I think we're still lacking some clarity on the ground, you know, about you know, how we should go about things. But uh, you're right. I mean, it's it's not like, uh, you know, it is easy to shut things down. But when you have millions of people who are laid off and, 
and that sort of thing, it's really tough to crank things back up, just getting the workforce going again and, uh, you know, helping people overcome their fears. I think that's a big barrier right now. So much conflicting information out there. I think people are just kind of pushing and doing it on their own because you you almost don't know who to believe because you can get so many different opinions (laughs) from the so-called experts. All right, Todd, good to talk with you. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you too, Mike. DTN reporter Todd Neely. Up next, president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Ross, here on AOA. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices, but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So we continue to wait for all the details on uh, farm assistance, but what we do know, uh, what we heard from Secretary Purdue, he was on RFD-TV and has said that farmers and ranchers seeking assistance from the Ag Department will be able to sign up for uh, relief starting next week. And he said the application process will open on May 20th, which is tomorrow. And money would start moving as soon as a week later. That means uh, stimulus funding would finally uh, get out into the uh, to the countryside What uh, quite a while after the CARES Act was passed uh, several weeks ago. Uh, the application window will remain open through August, the secretary said, but he expects that most producers would not wait that long to put in their paperwork for aid because of the immediate need that's out there, obviously. Uh, the department is expected to publish details of the final $16 billion payment package any day after OMB cleared the plan last Friday. So, and again, we're expecting the president to deliver some remarks today about uh, farmers and ranchers, so that may give us a little bit more of uh, a clearer picture, although usually those announcements uh, from the president do not have a lot of details, so we'll continue to wait on those from USDA. So looks like we're getting closer. Let's talk about it with Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Kevin, thanks for joining us. How are you? Hey, I'm good, Mike. How about yourself? Very good. Uh, So we continue to wait for these details. Uh, The need, obviously, is great uh, in agriculture, and uh, we're going to wait and see what they do with payment limits and just what the the, uh, distribution system will look like. Yeah, it's been uh, anticipated, I think, for for a while now. Uh, We've had a lot of conversations and uh, a lot of discussions within USDA and and other folks that, uh, you know, that would be uh, interested in this and have some influence over what's what's going on here uh, within the, this um, uh, this bill and this uh, package, I guess. Um, but working hard to make sure that uh, you know that we get some good things for you know for corn and for row crop producers, and um, certainly a lot of needs out there across agriculture. 
So we'll see what they come up with. Meanwhile, USDA did a few days ago announce uh, they're revamping their approval process, their rules for approval of biotech crops. I know you were happy with that. Yeah, we really were. This is, um, you know, one of the first major overhauls of, uh, you know, of a biotech regulation in, in about 20 years. Um, it, uh, you know, it really paves the way for, you know, for CRISPR technology and, and uh, for that to be implemented and, and still, you know, continues to have the oversight that's that's there within uh, within EPA and, and, and uh, FDA to make sure that, uh, you know, these processes are, are uh, safe and, and uh, um, able to be used in this. You know, these types of regulations are good from an aspect that if we have them in place, then, uh, you know, when the rules are followed and done well and things are passed through, then we have these technologies for a long time to come. And that's that's certainly what... Uh, uh, what we like to see and, and helpful for producers, for sure. We're talking with Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association. Kevin, uh, in the recently House bill, passed House bill, the HEROES Act, as it's being called, uh, does finally have some assistance for the biofuels industry. Now, we know that bill is going to be changed a lot in the Senate. Uh, so we'll wait and see how much of the ag part of it will remain. But at least that was the first uh, package that really had anything for the biofuels industry. Yeah, it did. And there was some, some good things uh, to, to start out with there, some good uh, points to, you know, begin with getting them assistance and uh, making sure that we've got, uh, you know, that uh, that industry um, back on its feet. And hopefully we can, um, you know, see a lot of that stuff, uh, you know, in, in whatever bill comes out of the Senate, whenever they um, decide this, this next bill needs to be, um, you know, move forward. It seems like there's, uh, you know, certainly uh, some differing opinions as to when that'll be. And, and uh, but it's nice to see the, the, the House actually take that action and give some assistance for, uh, you know, for or at least, you know, an attempt to give some uh, assistance in that package for the biofuels industry. We really need it in that, that industry, and they got to get back on their feet quickly. Kevin, when you're talking with administration officials about the needs of corn growers and what what you could uh, what you're needing and hearing uh, from the countryside, and what you're needing for assistance, what what's your priority list? Yeah, that's that's interesting uh, uh, and a very good question, Mike, because it, there's so many struggles right now in ag, and it's our markets, it's uh, uh, the, the immediate loss of, of cash flow and and also, you know, uh, the issues on a balance sheet when you turn around and, and very quickly have this drop in prices that we have. Um, those types of things have, have uh, caused, you know, immediate constraints. And then you look at uh, the long-term, you know, effects of, of just pushing back this this uh, uh, massive corn crop that we have and, and the grind that uh, that takes place within the ethanol industry and, and the struggles of our, of our animal ag partners as well. And so, um, you know, we talk about all those different things. Um, I've gotten you know, had a lot of discussions uh, uh, from from folks talking about you know help for our markets, whether that be the ethanol or the MLAG markets, or, uh, or even the overseas markets. But uh, uh, and also we've had a lot of conversations with producers, um, you know, talking about direct assistance for uh, for those issues I mentioned that are on farm and, and the uh, uh, immediate price issues that have happened. And there's uh, just just a lot of um, you know just a lot of things that uh, have put pressure on our markets and and the grind of this corn crop. And so we're um, you know, doing our best to make sure we can be the most effective we can and then in the spots that uh, that we can have the most influence. And it's just a, a lot of different issues right now, Mike. It really has been a domino effect, hasn't it, to the way it's rippled through the supply chain and the whole economy? 
Yeah, it absolutely has been. And, and even on the input side, you know, we've seen more localized issues there, but, uh, um, you know, certainly has caused some issues here and there for people that, uh, uh, you know, have had suppliers that have gotten sick and had to shut down and um, different regions, you know, there's been some smaller places that have had that issue. And luckily, I think we've gotten through most of planting season fairly well, but um, but I do know, you know, know some farmers that have gotten sick and uh, certainly has affected them and, and their operation and, and, um, and, you know, their opportunity to get their, their crop planted. And so, uh, you know, there's other issues like that that, uh, that we look at. We certainly, you know, don't want to discount the issues that are surrounding the mental health aspect of all these different stressors that are out there, too. And I think we've got a uh, uh, big responsibility to, you know, to our growers and the people across the U.S. to make sure that, uh, you know, we're, we're providing assistance there to make sure that, uh, you know, that the farm level is, is uh, looked at as a, as a you know, uh, all facets of the, the health aspect, too, that we need to deal with. How's planting going on your farm in Iowa? Hey, we've been uh, doing pretty good. Uh, this is, you know, southwest Iowa. Um, i got to say this is one of the best planting seasons um, in our area that uh, that we've seen in a long time. And uh, that's that's one of the good bright spots, I think, uh, across a lot of the Corn Belt. But uh, certainly some, you know, weather issues that we've seen in, in different parts. But uh, down here, southwest Iowa, um, crops are in. We just need, uh, you know, need moisture and some heat, and, and uh, we can get this crop moving pretty quick. So you could use some moisture? You know, in my spot right here, uh, yeah, we could. There was uh, some rain that, uh, you know, that went around us here a, a few different times here in the last uh, week or two, and and uh, we keep just getting that one-tenth and uh, two-tenth stuff, which, uh, you know, hasn't uh, hasn't been real helpful for this crop to get, get out of the ground. But, uh, you know, that, that and the sunshine has just not been real abundant here in the last uh, last few weeks, it seems like. So um, we're... We're needing a little bit of help in my area, but uh, a lot of spots around me got got some pretty good shots of rain here recently. Yeah, a lot of us can relate to the lack of sunshine, and a lot of areas have got plenty of water we'd like to share with you (laughs) if we could, (laughs) uh, because we know those rains that went around you, a lot of us know where they went to. I can can tell you that. Uh, I know. So so are you, uh, with the meetings canceled and things like that, are you actually on the farm more now than you would normally be uh considering your duties as president of ncga you know i haven't uh i haven't gotten on the lawnmower yet the wife still hasn't let me get get on that part <laughs> of the, the farm yet but uh you know it's definitely changed um you know a lot of the schedules that uh, that i would have probably would have been in dc a couple times here uh already since you know since uh beginning of april and um, had, you know, a lot of other meetings that we've had to cancel and change and, and, uh, we're, we're continuing to work as best we can remotely. We've got a lot of staff that's, uh, working from home. We're soon to get some folks back in our, uh, in our St. Louis office. And then, um, hopefully our DC office will be, uh, shortly thereafter, but, uh, we've been keeping people very busy and, and they've been working every day on behalf of the corn grower and in our industry. And I think, um, you know, a lot of people are anxious to get back to work, and that uh, that includes our staff as well from any, any type of normalcy standpoint. But uh, always things to do and always issues that are, you know, continue to come up. And, and uh, again, we're, we got people out there fighting for us every day, even when we're on the farm here. All right, Kevin, good to talk with you again. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks a lot, Mike. Appreciate it. 
Kevin Ross, president of the National Corn Growers Association. So, some improvements uh, we're seeing for the ethanol industry, but a long ways to go. We'll talk with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, next on AOA. Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, they say you have to crawl before you walk and walk before you run, so I guess that's how we describe the progress being made for the ethanol industry. Joining us now, Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Uh, We're seeing some small steps of improvement, aren't we? Well, we are, Mike, and, and you described it exactly the right way. It, we, we are beginning to crawl, I think, out of the hole that, that COVID-19 put us in, but we certainly have a very long way to go. We, we are seeing some some signs of life and signs of recovery, and, and the last few weeks uh, we've seen uh, some, some ethanol plants that were temporarily idled coming back online, uh, and we're seeing some incremental increases in production and, and seeing some some bounce back in gasoline consumption as, as states are, are reopening. So uh, things have been uh, positive the last few weeks, but we, like I said, we've got a long way to go. Stocks are down a bit. I mean, capacity has been full, right, for quite some time. Are we starting to work into some of those stocks? We are. We've actually seen uh, two straight weeks of uh, substantial uh, reductions in in stocks, and that that is good news. Um, you know, we 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 had record levels, all time record levels of of ethanol stocks uh, in mid and, and late April and and into early part of May. Uh, so we really need to start working off uh, some of that excess uh, before we see many plants come back online. And and fortunately, we're seeing that happen here in the last few weeks. Um, you know, two weeks doesn't make a trend, but uh, but things the, the the market data has looked pretty good the last couple of weeks. Where are we as far as plants idled, uh, production back online? Do you have any of the, those numbers yet? Yeah, we do. Um, we've actually seen uh, about eight or nine plants come fully back online uh, that were fully idled uh, in recent weeks, and so we're. We're back to uh, you know more than 60 ethanol plants operating at sort of near normal rates. Uh, we still have more than 70 facilities that are operating at reduced uh, rates of output. But even even those plants, we're beginning to see some you know they're they're, they're beginning to turn the dial up a little bit, uh, very <laughs> very gingerly and and very incrementally um, as conditions begin to improve. Uh, but we do still have, you know, close to 50 plants or so that are uh, completely idled. Um, and, you know, some of those, it's it's probably going to be a long time before some of those come back online. We're talking with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Jeff, why does it continue to be so difficult to get approval for these ethanol plants to help make hand sanitizers? 
Well, I, that's that's a great question, Mike, and I wish we had the answer. It, it shouldn't be so difficult. Uh, we had FDA at the end of March uh, publish guidance, temporary guidance during the COVID-19 crisis that we thought, uh, you know, sort of opened the door. It did open the door uh, to ethanol producers switching some of their production to make alcohol for hand sanitizer. And we saw about three dozen ethanol plants respond to that and, and make investments and, and move into that marketplace. Uh, and then a few weeks later, FDA came out and, and moved the goalposts and, and put out new guidance that really confused the issue and confused the marketplace. Um, and so now some of those facilities that were making this grade of alcohol have, have stopped. Uh, and, you know, I was just at the grocery store the other day looking for uh, hand sanitizer and masks and all these other things as our office begins to reopen. And, and of course, there's none on the shelves. So we know there's a, a massive shortage of hand sanitizer out there, and we don't understand why FDA is making it uh, next to impossible for our, our industry to help uh, meet that need. Yeah, it's it's extremely frustrating for sure. All right, so the so-called HEROES Act that passed the House has some assistance, some help for the biofuels industry, but we know that's going to be that bill is going to be changed a lot in the Senate whenever they decide they're going to move on another another bill. So I guess your effort is is to try to keep some assistance for the biofuels industry in whatever bill is finally settled on. That's absolutely right, Mike. And and we were very pleased with the uh, Renewable Fuels Reimbursement Program. That's the name of the provision that was in the HEROES Act, the House bill that passed last Friday. Um, We do think it would go a long way in in helping shore up uh, some of the economic uh, harm and and difficulty that is being faced by the industry today. Uh, But as you mentioned, the the HEROES Act, we we know um, the Senate is not just going to take that bill up and, and run with it. Um, you know, Leader McConnell has has said he's in no hurry to, um, you know, to to push through a a fourth stimulus bill. Um, you know, President Trump has called the the Heroes Act dead on arrival and and threatened to veto it if it would ever get to his desk. So we we know there's there's a lot of negotiation and a lot of um, you know deal making that needs to happen between the House and Senate before something would would move forward to the president's desk. But we also know there is strong support in the Senate on a bipartisan basis uh, for some something for the biofuels industry in the way of emergency relief. Uh, and we fully expect that any package that would move out of the Senate um, and go to conference and, 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 you know, whatever the final bill ends up uh, on, on the president's desk, we, we do expect that it will have a, a emergency relief measure of some sort for biofuel producers. Uh, and, and, you know, we're going to keep pushing for that. Because you haven't been getting it in the other packages. And I, I'm, as I've said right. many times, I, I'm I'm completely in support of changing this HEROES Act because there there's too much in there that's not directly related to COVID-19. And I think you have to, should have to show a direct, uh, you know, direct impact from COVID-19 to get assistance and I think your industry and agriculture certainly can show that direct link. It's those other things that uh, are are yeah. pretty remote at best that I think do need to be cut out. But I think you have a great story to say to Congress, say, hey, this you can see the direct impact of what this crisis has done Absolutely. to our industry. Yeah, yeah, you can, Mike. And, and I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, the, the, the HEROES Act is 815 pages. Um, there's a lot of stuff in there that that probably doesn't have much, if anything, to do with 
uh, with you know actual relief uh, from the the economic impacts of, of COVID-19. Um, but but our industry can absolutely show uh, what this pandemic has done to our markets and, and to our industry. You know, at the end of February, we were operating at, at a rate of 16.5 billion gallons of annualized output, and we saw that crash uh, to 8.2 billion gallons of annual, uh, annualized output by, by late April. So, you know, half of our production, more than half, um, came offline in a very short time. And, and as we discussed, some of that is, is beginning to claw back. Uh, last week's numbers showed we're right around 10 billion gallons of annualized output. Uh, so we are beginning to crawl. Um, but, yeah, we can absolutely point to uh, any number of indicators to show exactly what this, this pandemic has done to our markets, um, w- which is why, you know, we were very frustrated that, that biofuels were left out of the CARES Act uh, that did include $19 billion in aid for agriculture but left ethanol behind. So we're very hopeful that this next round of, of assistance, whatever it ends up looking like in the final package, uh, does include some, some help for, for our industry. And what about fending off the attacks on the RFS and uh, you got more people wanting waivers and, uh, you know, of course, the ever-present calls by critics uh, to do away with the RFS altogether. How, how are your efforts in, in defending the RFS going? Well, the, the RFS is under perpetual attack. It seems mm-hmm. like it has been ever since it was signed into law. Uh, but what we are seeing right now is, is a renewed or invigorated uh, oil industry when it comes to attacking the RFS. They're, they're looking at COVID-19 as an opportunity um, to kick the industry while it's down, kick the ethanol industry, um, and they're asking EPA to waive the RFS um, you know, under the guise of, of needing emergency relief from, from COVID. Um, you know, we, we think that's ridiculous. This is obviously the, exactly the sort of um, circumstance where the RFS is more important than ever. It, it, it puts that floor, uh, that demand floor underneath the industry um, and provides us some certainty in an in a otherwise very uncertain time. Uh, so we're continuing to, to work with our friends in Congress and, and uh, at USDA and others in the administration to ensure that the RFS is protected and that EPA, um, you know, doesn't, doesn't fall for this nonsense and, and uh, leaves the, the RFS alone. Is EPA granting any waivers during all this? Well, they, they have um, granted all sorts of, of waivers and compliance exemptions and, and extended deadlines and, and all sorts of things uh, for other Clean Air Act programs. Uh, they really haven't uh, granted any sort of, of waivers uh, for the RFS uh, related to, to COVID-19. Uh, and and we, we think that's because they know there is absolutely no good reason or rationale to do so um but you know we're, we're hopeful that they they stick to their guns and and uh you know don't approve any of these uh, ridiculous waiver requests that are coming in from some of these governors and, and attorneys general all right uh yeah jeff appreciate the update i was just thinking boy wish we were going to bush stadium to watch our cardinals but that seems like that's a long ways off too doesn't it yeah, you and me both, Mike. I mean, that's I, I can't wait for some some baseball to get back. That means things will be a little more a little more normal than they are today. But uh, you know, we're going to keep keep fighting along here in the ethanol industry and and doing what we can. Seems like a lifetime ago we were 
both uh, concerned about the lineup for the Cardinals and how they hadn't made any moves, and that that all seems uh, so so uh, you know unimportant right yeah. now. Such bigger issues yeah, to deal with. Just our biggest problem right now. That's right. That's right. Jeff, take care. Good to talk with you. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Mike. Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Here's another segment of agriculture needing some assistance. The bison industry. We'll talk with the executive director of the National Bison Association next on AOA. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. Uh, The bison industry is also feeling the impact of COVID-19. They're looking for some assistance. We hope to uh, hear from Dave Carter, Executive Director of the National Bison Association. Uh, He's tied up right now, but we hope to get him here shortly, if not today, then another day, to look at that segment of agriculture that is also uh, seeking some, some help and assistance. Uh, today, the president's going to be speaking, and uh, we'll get some, uh, he's expected to address uh, agriculture and uh, some help for farmers and ranchers, but uh, probably not a lot of details in those remarks, so we hope that uh, the details will be coming soon from uh, USDA on how that is going to work out as far as payment limits and, and things like that. So a lot of questions there we're still waiting for answers for. Meanwhile, as we continue to look at uh, the planting conditions around the, around the Midwest, uh, we know a lot of areas are wet, but we just heard earlier from Kevin Ross from southwest Iowa that he could actually uh, use some rain on his farm, and folks in that area have missed some of the rains that uh, have hit so many other parts of the country. Uh, what about that state of North Dakota that we hear so much about trying to get harvest from last year done and having trouble getting any planning done uh, this year? Rusty Halverson is the uh, farm director at uh, the American Ag Network, and he joins us now. Rusty, thanks for being with us. So what can you tell us there in the state of North Dakota as far as planting is concerned? Well, good morning, Mike. It's good to talk to you. Uh, uh, We had a segment, uh, I believe it was last week, with your producer, Kirsten Rall, talking about some of the wet areas and sloughs going into other sloughs. In southeastern North Dakota, northeastern South Dakota, and also in areas of uh, the northern Red River Valley in northwestern Minnesota. It's uh, Mother Nature's been uh, a little bit of a pill lately. The uh, the spring wheat planting in North Dakota, according to USDA's numbers yesterday, only 41% complete, and uh, that is down from the five-year average of 76%. Now, the weather forecast is turning a little bit better this week. We've had warm conditions, windy conditions, and we certainly need that to dry out soils in many areas areas. Now, for growers in the central and western part of North Dakota, they've had better progress. Now, what about the harvest of last year's crop? Is How much is that is still left in the field? Well, I haven't seen, uh, i got to be honest, I haven't seen an exact figure on that. But as uh, Scott German said uh, with uh, his visit with Kirsten Rall, uh, it's not uncommon to see a, a un- uncommon to see a planter on one side of the field and uh, harvest going on on the other side of the field. And lots of folks had to zero out acres. And there's also talk about prevent plant this year in certain areas of eastern North Dakota, just because 
of how cool and wet it's going to be. But uh, producers chipping away, and again, uh, the weather forecast this week looking a little bit more favorable. Decision time coming for a lot of your farmers. Don't you have a crop insurance date coming up? Yeah, absolutely. Later on this month, in fact, uh, not too far away. I mean, we're creeping up on, what is it today, May 19th? And and uh, we're creeping up on some of those planting dates when it comes to crop insurance. And you can plant beyond those dates and still get good yields. But there are considerations that uh, a lot of producers are facing right now. And with just the general stress in farm country, uh, we're talking a lot about mental health and uh, keeping folks, you know, engaged and uh, visiting with your neighbor, visiting with uh, your lender and uh, just trying to keep a good attitude because of all this pandemic uh, information, not information, the pandemic situation that's been going on. And North Dakota never closed down as a state, uh, totally. Uh, I mean, we, we closed a lot of uh, a lot of non-essential businesses, what was deemed non-essential, uh, but uh, we're just opening back up like uh, many other areas of the country. And it's such a new feel, Mike. You were talking just a bit ago about uh, being able to go to a Cardinals game in Fargo-Moorhead, uh, the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, a... Uh, a uh, well, it's a pro team, a smaller league pro team. Their opening day was supposed to be today, but uh, they just can't do her. And for, you know, Major League Baseball getting back to work maybe at the start of July, that's okay for them. They've got broadcast rights and, and whatnot, but for smaller leagues around the nation, you need the fans in the stands to, to make a go of it. So, I mean, it's just a, such an unusual time. It really is. You mentioned prevent plant acres. Yeah. Are you are you hearing more discussion of that? Some of that uh, ground just again this year may not get planted in North Dakota. How much of that would be some of the same ground that didn't get planted last year? I think it'd be very similar. I talked to a farmer from uh, Hannaford, North Dakota, and he had been doing some traveling around the countryside. And from his travels down into northeastern South Dakota and just around some of the areas that he is from, uh, he was concerned um, just because of Again, uh, what Kirsten saw in, in her airplane ride uh, in uh, Dickey County, I believe it was, uh, there's just a lot of areas that are still just wet, and it's it's been a tough go, uh, just a really tough go. And so I, I don't think it will be as bad as last year. That's not an expert opinion. I just have a feeling it won't be as bad as last year, but... I think there's going to be a lot of acreage again this year that maybe just won't get planted. And some of that that harvesting of last year's crop is still going on this year. Have you heard uh, the the quality of it, the condition of it, and how it's yielded? You know, I think it was actually, uh, uh, you know, given the conditions, uh, from what I've heard, it wasn't all that bad. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things that uh, that is on, on on some folks' minds this year, sugar beet planting in the Red River Valley. Things have been going well south of Fargo. North of Fargo, they've had cool, wet soils, and things are going a little bit slower than normal. And, uh, you know, uh, listening to experts, uh, some of the test plots are going in and producers are making a go. But, uh, yeah, that's a concern, too. A lot of challenges. All right, Rusty, thanks for being with us. Appreciate the North Dakota update. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Thank you. Rusty Halverson, uh, farm director for the uh, 
American Ag Network based in North Dakota. All right, coming up tomorrow, we will have uh, much more on the the, uh, assistance for agriculture for COVID-19 related issues. That's tomorrow. Stay safe, everyone. Join us on AOA.